All right, are you ready? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Something very, very powerful I've never shared before that I want to share with you today. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 that the accuser is cast down. The accuser or the one translation says the cursor. There is one who curses you. There is one who accuses you. According to the book of Job, night and day before the throne of God, cursing, trying to put the curse on you. And he has access, read Job chapter 1, and he would go in and you read of the accuser before them day and night. But the scripture said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, this everlasting covenant. I, uh, I want to talk to you about the everlasting covenant for a few moments. God first made a covenant of blood with Adam. And when he and Eve had sinned, he shed the blood of an animal, covered their nakedness with that skin, but it was also a covenant that he made. He made a covenant with Noah. The rainbow is the sign it's been kidnapped in our generation, in this society, but the rainbow is a sign God gave Noah as a covenant that he would never, ever abandon the human race. Abraham had a covenant with God. He split animals down the middle and God came as a flame of fire and walked down in Genesis 15, I believe it is, walked down the path of blood and he began to pronounce the blessings on a man named Abraham. Moses made a covenant with God. God made a covenant. But when you come to the book of Hebrews, it's called the everlasting covenant. Why? Because in the New Testament is not where Jesus started the covenant. God had a council with himself before earth was ever formed. And God in the council of heaven with himself said that before the foundation of the earth would be laid, he's the lamb of God that would be slain, the text, the scriptures say, before the foundation of the world, the lamb of God. God made a covenant with himself and before he made one with Adam, before he made one with Noah, before he made one with Abraham or anybody else, he said, I already have established this thing. It is fixed. I know what 
I know what Adam's going to do. I know what Abraham's going to do. I know David's going to look at that woman and get messed up. It's going to be all kinds of stuff that's going to happen. But my covenant is an everlasting covenant, and I'm not starting it with man. I'm starting it in my own council in heaven. Before the earth is even created, and I say, let there be, I'm going to establish he's the Lamb of God. I'm the Lamb of God, God was saying, that will come in human form and shed my blood and establish an everlasting covenant. When God comes to Adam, he was created out of mud from the ground. Adam means mud man. He was literally, God looked in the reflection maybe of a lake and water and saw his own, mirrored his own likeness and image and molded and made Adam in his image. And in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 7, he was just a mud man. He was laying there. There was no life. There was nothing but a mud man. And God breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. That means when God breathed into Adam, that's when the mud man got some blood. This is so important. Question. Where did Adam get his blood from? He had no parents. He had no mother. He had no father. Where did the blood come from? When God breathed into Adam the breath of life, in that breath was God's very blood transferred to Adam. Leviticus chapter 11 says the life of the flesh. Listen to this scientific fact that is in the Word of God before they ever discovered it in medicine. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And the blood that was in Adam, you may have never thought about it like this. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam because the blood that was in Adam was the blood of God. The blood of Jesus was in Adam. In his original state. That's why he became a living soul. He was alive to God. He was alive. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was immortal. He was like unto God. He, he had the blood of God in him. In the original way God made him. And he had the breath of God. The blood made Adam's flesh alive. But the breath of God made his soul and his spirit come alive. And so when Adam became a living soul, and then the breath of God is in his blood, Adam and Eve transgress and disobey, fall to sin. But he did not lose his blood. He lost the breath of God on his soul. God said, the day you eat the forbidden fruit, you will surely die. He did not die physically because the blood is what gives the flesh life. But his spirit became dead to God. So when Adam and Eve began to reproduce after their own kind, Cain and Abel are born without the breath of God on their blood. They were born with physical blood, but without 
the spirit and the breath of God, their spirit was dead. So now we begin to see them exhibit that they are not of the nature of God. They are of the nature of Adam. The word mankind is never found in the King James Bible until after the fall of Adam and Eve. Because before the fall, all that was on the earth was one kind of man, and that was a God-man. He had God's breath. His spirit was alive. He had God's blood. He did not get his blood from any human being. He was a God-man. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, in Romans chapter 5, it keeps saying and referring to Jesus Christ as the second Adam. He's God-man. And that's why when God made Adam, he was a God-man, but after the fall, he's a different kind of man, different nature. Sin, the curse have come upon him. He's still a man. He's still got blood. But the breath of God, the life of God, it's gone. And so when Jesus shows up on the planet, that's why they said, what manner of man is this? What kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey his will? What, what is there? He's a man. He's, all, he's flesh and blood. But what manner of man? We, he's not our kind of human kind of man. He, he, he's, he's man, but he's, there's something different. Why? Because the breath of God was on his blood. He's a God man. He's the second Adam. His name is Jesus. Everything God intended for us was breathed into Adam through his blood and his breath. In that moment, he breathed into Adam. Adam was born with breath and life. So when Cain kills Abel, watch this. Adam and Eve now do not have the life of God on them. They have blood that feeds the flesh and keeps the flesh. But the spirit side of them is dead and lifeless. That's how you are, quite frankly, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord. You have blood, you have life, because the, the life of the blood... The life of the flesh is in the blood, but you do not have eternal life in you. You do not have it if you don't have the breath of God. And in his breath came his blood. I mean, look at the first family. The first domestic violent thing happens under the curse because God is gone. God has been thrown out of the family. And now the family is violent, and one brother is killing another brother out of jealousy. And so when Cain kills Abel, God says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So powerful when you understand that blood has a voice. Blood has a voice. The blood of innocent babies has a voice. 
the blood of the violence in our streets in America, in the major cities, and even communities like where we all are at every campus. Blood has a voice, and it's crying out to God. God hears the voice of blood. And that's why some 6,000 years after he created Adam, the Holy Spirit now says, I know the first Adam failed, but the time is right. And he finds a virgin girl by the name of Mary. And the Holy Spirit, which is the breath of God. When the Holy Spirit filled the upper room in Acts chapter 2, it was a mighty rushing wind because he's the breath of God. It's the same breath that breathed life into Adam. Now the Holy Spirit has to come. You, you, you can't... You, you can't legislate this into somebody. You can't make them. God has to come alive inside of you to be born again. You must be born again. You must have this breath come on you. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care wh what you do. And I appreciate it and everybody appreciates But that's not enough to get you into heaven. You must have the life of God, the breath of God. Jesus, Jesus, here's this little virgin girl named Mary. He breathed, the Bible said, and the Holy Spirit came upon her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. And God breathed into that virgin's system the breath and the blood of God again on planet Earth. She can't. The baby that she's carrying can't have Adam's blood. The, the baby that she's carrying can't have Joseph, the father's blood. She's a virgin. She, the, the, the baby that she's carrying cannot have Mary's blood. He's got to have God's breath in his blood. Jesus gets his blood from his father. I'm not talking about hemoglobin. I'm not talking about type A or type B when I talk about the blood. When I talk about pleading the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about the red material stuff. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus is the breath of God inside of Jesus. And Jesus' blood is precious. I know where I'm going. Relax. I promise we're almost there. The blood of Jesus is sinless. The blood of Jesus is so rare. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It brings fullness of life. Jesus has the same blood God breathed into Adam. Jesus was born alive unto God the moment he took his first breath. And he carried that blood until he became 33 years of age. And then he began to shed that blood. He bled from seven different places of his body. The first time that he shed his blood was in the Garden of Gethsemane when his sweat became as drops of blood and dripped off his nose and off his face and wet 
the ground of that garden. The second time that he shed his blood was when they dragged him from that garden to Caiaphas' house. And there the Bible said they pulled his beard off of his face. I don't know that we can really imagine. Would you come here? I, I'm so sorry. He's probably visiting and never been to the church before. <laughs> but, but can you imagine the word Isaiah saw it prophetically? And he said his visage, he described it, was so marred because they pulled. They didn't just, they pulled physically. One, one of the writers, gospel writers said 600 men were beating him and pulling from his face the beard and his face, thank you, bled. The third time that he shed his blood was at Pilate's hall and Pilate said, I wash my hands of this. He's innocent. I see, I see no fault in him. I see nothing wrong that he's done worthy. But when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he commanded that he be whipped with the cat of nine tails. And the third time that he bled, he bled from his back. The fourth time that Jesus bled, he bled when they crammed the crown of thorns on his head and his head began to bleed. The fifth time that Jesus bled was when they took him to the cross and they stretched his arms out on that cross and they drove the nails through his hands. And that blood began to speak and that life began to drip and soak the area under the cross in Jerusalem. The sixth time that Jesus shed his blood was when his feet, they pierced his feet and nailed him to that cross and his feet began to bleed. And then lastly, they shoved a spear in his side and henceforth came blood and water. And he bled from his side on the cross all the way from the Via Della Rosa beginning down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem dragging that cross. It was one bloody, bloody, bloody trail that you could see all the way to Calvary, all the way to Golgotha. And here's what I've been trying to get to. Every time he shed his blood in every one of those occasions, he did something for you and he did something for me. Listen, because, because every time his blood began to drip in those seven locations and those seven different places from his body began to bleed the breath of God, the voice of God began to cry out on behalf of you and on behalf of me. It's a powerful thing. And I want to go back for a moment and I want you to see what that blood shed cried out for you and for me. 
in the garden of Gethsemane when his sweat became like drops of blood. It was over an agonizing prayer when he said, not my will, but thine be done. The first time that Jesus shed his blood, it was for the healing of my will. Because my will is not willing and wanting to do his will. My desires are not like his desires. There's nothing natural about my will or my desire being in line with him. But when he shed his blood in that first spot, when his sweat became drops of blood, it was shed so that my will could line up with his will. He shed his blood. We used to, the old timers used to say, so I would have the want to. Here's how you know if you're saved or not. You want to. You want to live for Jesus. You want to draw worship. You want to come to church. You want to be around Christians. You want, you may have all kinds of issues, but you want it. You, if you just want it, that means life has filled you. This good news is you may be all messed up, but if you just want to be saved, if you want to be like Jesus, if you just want it, you've got it. And the first time he shed his blood, he shed it to heal my will so that I would be a living soul. Do you remember when you first got saved? You, you walked into that church and you didn't have any desire to praise the Lord. You didn't have any desire. You were, you were mad you were there. You were there because some relative kidnapped you and you promised them or something. You came with an attitude. You may be sitting there with an attitude, wrong service, because you're going to be on your knees before the service is over. Because when the blood was shed, it was shed for the healing of my will. Oh, hallelujah. You cannot get that any other way except except you be born again. And then it's, I, I got, I want it. I want to, not I have to, not legalism. I want to be like Jesus. I will it, not my will, thine be done. He healed my will. Number two, the second time that he shed his blood, notice he shed his blood and bought the healing for my image because his face was torn. He looked like some kind of half-devoured animal. They ripped his beard off, and it brought, and it speaks. The blood speaks. The Bible said in Hebrews, the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And what is it speaking? It's speaking healing of my will. It's speaking healing of my image. Because people are destroying themselves because of the image that they have of themselves. They look in the mirror and they hate themselves because they failed or they made bad choices. And, and, and Jesus said, I'll let my face and my beard be plucked off and the blood will flow from my face to heal your image. People are starving themselves to death. When they look in the mirror, they don't see themselves fearfully and wonderfully made. But young girls look in the mirror and see themselves as ugly and, 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 and nobody could ever love me and I'm not important and I'm just, I, I'll, I'm nobody. But God says, I want to heal that 
image, that self-image. I want to heal that unworthy thing that you have on you of anything good happening. And when he shed his blood, when they ripped his face off and his beard off, he was shedding that blood to heal our image. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but you can't see it until the blood is applied to you and life comes and then you look in the mirror and you say, I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am, I am a person that has great calling and dignity and value because of Jesus. I'm not a woman trapped in a man's body. This is an image issue. This is an image issue. Let's don't get mad at them. Let's love them until they can see Jesus. And if they can see Jesus, they'll see that you were made in his likeness and in his image, and he made you like you are, and he knows how to change your will through his blood and your image. And then when they took him to Pilate's hall and they beat his back, he shed his blood for your healing of your body. The prophet Isaiah saw it and he said, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And when he shed his blood, he shed his blood for healing. God, help us to get our faith back. We need to start believing God for signs and wonders and miracles and healings of cancer and healings of deformities and healings of blindness and healings of any and everything because we need more than a head knowledge that God did it then. He wants a people to understand the blood is still speaking healing. The blood and the stripes that Jesus took on his back still says with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Salvation. I am the Lord, your healer. Everybody clap your hands and praise him for just a moment. Come on, really praise him for the blood. It heals your will. It heals your image. It heals your body. But notice something else. When he shed his blood... When they crammed the crown of thorns on his head, his head began to bleed because that blood from his head bought healing for my mind. So I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in depression. I don't have to live in anxiety and panic. I don't have to live in despair and suicidal and hopeless and with mental illness. I today declare boldly that when he took that crown of thorns, which was the symbol of the curse, and he, they shoved it on his head and his head began to bleed, it was the Jesus bled for the healing of your mind, the healing of memories, the healing of scars, the healing of rapes, the healing of abortions, the healing of abusive 
uh, childhood. The healing was provided for through the blood of Jesus. Clap your hands and praise him. Somebody throw your hands up and thank him with me right now at every campus. There's hope. The fifth time that he nailed, they nailed his hands and he, he bought healing through the nails in his hands and the blood for my work. For my work. He said, I'll bless the work of your hands. Your hands were not made for violence. They were made to heal people. They were made to lift people. And he didn't just put you down here to wait on the rapture, but he wants you to go into places and he says, I shed my blood for you to have success. Not so you'll be a big shot and take all the glory. Be careful. Be careful to give God the glory. But I want you to know that I broke the curse of poverty off of you. I broke the curse of failure off of you. I broke, you have a purpose. God has a place for you. God has a plan for you. God has work for you to do on this earth, an assignment. And he said, my blood is before the throne speaking constantly for the healing of your work. Maybe you're fighting battles right now concerning your work but his blood was shed. Doesn't that make you happy? He cares about, why would he not care about what we do most with our life? We're in here an hour or so. Some of you can't stand that, but we're, but we're in here. But, but, but you know what? We go to work every day, most of us. Every day. Why would he not care about our work? And then they nailed his feet, which brings healing for my walk. Don't you ever let anybody tell you you can't live it, you won't last. You know, that Jesus stuff doesn't work. He can heal your walk. He can make you walk uprightly. He can make you walk in honesty and integrity. He can make you walk the walk, not just talk the talk. You can walk it. You can live it. The enemy, the accuser and the cursor will say, he can't live it. He can't live it. But when Jesus shed his blood from his feet, it was to get in your walk so you could say, I'm not sliding back. I'm not going back. I'm not going that direction anymore. He's going to lead me in his path of righteousness for his name's sake. Clap your hands and praise him for the blood that was shed for your walk, the healing of your walk. You don't have to go back to the drug dealer. You don't have to go back to a broken situation. You don't have to go back to darkness and demons and the occult. You can be free today. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but the blood of Jesus can give you a new walk. The blood of Jesus can make you and take you to places you will not believe he has blessed you to go. Wouldn't it be something if you never have to go to the, the alcohol store again? Because Jesus so got in your walk 
and it's killing you and you can't quit drinking a fifth a day. <laughs> but you let him get in your walk. Bible said the wise men after they encountered Jesus went home a different direction. They took a different walk. They said we walk, walked in one way, we're walking out the polar opposite. Mm, I feel like preaching. But y'all, y'all kind of lukewarm this morning, so I'll just keep bumping along here. Last one, this is it. When he was hanging on that cross, that centurion took a spear, shoved it into his side, and blood poured in water. Can't help but see the type of Adam is alone. And God opens up his side and reaches in and pulls one of his ribs out and forms a woman and gives him his family. And when Jesus shed that blood from his side, it was to heal my fellowship with God, the elements of birth, water and blood, pulling out, creating him a bride called the church. And he says, well, I shed my blood to heal your fellowship in your marriage, in your family, with your siblings, with your children, with your grandchildren. His blood is speaking, restore the fellowship. Restore the fellowship in that marriage. Restore the fellowship in that family. Restore the fellowship, the relationship. Let me close real quick. They're playing. That means I got five more minutes. And if you leave now, God bless you. <laughs> Do you know what the Bible said? The Bible said in Ephesians 4 that Jesus had to descend before he could ascend on the third day when he went into death. He went down, he was not in hell. We kind of get excited and preach it. He was not in hell. Abraham, Noah, Adam, all of them were held in a compartment that was be heavens up here, hell's down here, and there's a place that the righteous dead were held called Abraham's bosom. And the Bible said, I don't have time to read it all, but if you want something to read, read this text that I'm telling you about in the book of Hebrews. It's just absolutely phenomenal because the blood message didn't stop when he shed all the blood. He then, according to John 21, when Mary came to the tomb and wanted to touch him, the scripture said, he said, do not touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Don't touch me because I'm basically what he's saying, and this is all right out of the book of Hebrews. I think it's the 
wherever I preached it from. This yes, Hebrews the ninth, and I don't have time to. I'm 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 so. But here it is. Just like Moses in the Old Testament tabernacle had to take the blood of an innocent lamb and sprinkle it on the altar, sprinkle it on the menorah, the lampstand, sprinkle it on the a table of showbread, sp- sprinkle it on the table of incense, sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. It had to be covered with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Just like that. Heaven has a sanctuary according to the scriptures that they were just putting up. Heaven had a polluted sanctuary because Lucifer was an archangel in heaven over the worship. And he had tainted the praise. He had tainted the worship. Even heaven had to be purged Please put my verse up. It had to be. It was necessary for the positive things in heaven to be purified. The heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. Next verse. For Christ is not entered into the holy place with made of hands. What did he do? When, 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 he, when he went down into hell, he had a revival and he took some of his blood. When he went to that Abraham's bosom and there was Adam and there was David and there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was Daniel. There was uh, Ezekiel. And he walks over and he says, now let me tell you who I am. Because you didn't really understand. But hey, Adam, I am the lamb that was slain and covered you. Hey, Abraham, I'm the ram that was caught in the thicket when you almost stabbed your boy. I, hey, Noah, I'm the ark of safety. And Noah, oh, really? You're it? Hey, Daniel, I'm the fourth man in the fire. I'm the one who showed up. I'm the one. I'm the one. Hey, Samson, I'm the jawbone of an ass. I'm the one that slew the Philistines. I'm it. Hey, David, I'm the real Goliath slayer because you ain't going to believe what's happened to hell when I come up out of this grave on the third day. You have no idea. Oh, I wish I had a Pentecostal church right now. I you sit so still. You scream about everything but the blood and the name in Jesus. Come on, folks. I know I'm crazy. I know I need to calm down. Sit down. I'm not done. I'm almost done. But Jesus led a parade to the gates of heaven, and he had all those guys behind him, starting with Adam all the way down to Malachi. And Malachi's he's looking around here. He's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And then Jesus does something incredible. He takes his own blood and he begins to purify and purge the heavens with his own blood. And he says, Lucifer, you tainted worship and praise in heaven. But from this day forward, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses and I will now 
no longer allow you access as the accuser and as the curser, I kick you out. You are thrown out. The Bible said, I by the finger of God cast Satan out. God gave him the finger. Jesus gave him the finger, flicked him off and said, you're finished. And here's the best news you're going to ever hear. He said, by the way, before you leave, Lucifer, I have found your replacement. It's just basically a mud man, a mud woman that's had the breath of God fill them and the blood of Jesus has washed them. And now they will occupy the place you used to occupy. So when we lift our voice and we lift our hands and we praise God with our heart and in our spirit, we are taking the place of Lucifer and we can come boldly and enter into the Holy of Holies with worship because we have an everlasting covenant. Stand to your feet. Clap your hands, take a praise break. At every campus, take a praise break. Come on, clap your hands. I need a few folks just to give God a mighty praise right now. He's worthy, 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 worthy is the lamb that was slain. Now, now, here's what I felt, and I want them to put it up. We're going to decree something here. We're going to make some, de some declarations, some decrees this morning. And I want every person under the sound of my voice. I really felt teenagers today. I really felt young people. I really feel couples. I really feel families. But I want every one of you that will... I know the clock is running. I know that. I don't care. Do you not know that yet? I don't care. I'm not wasting your time. What I'm preaching is eternal. What I'm preaching will matter. When you're on your deathbed, you will be thankful for the blood. And if you have any of those areas that you need healing, get out of your seat and come and stand right down here. You say, well, we can't all get there. I'm up in the balcony. You can get where you want to get. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. And we're going to decree something. Hurry. The king's business takes haste. Move quick. You may be addicted. You may be bound. You may be lost. You may be backslid. You may be loving Jesus. You got the will, but you're really struggling in some area. Come, come. Bring your family. Bring your marriage. Bring whatever you got that needs healing. Because we're going to make a declaration here this morning. Everybody ready? Open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I receive and I activate the blessings of the blood. They provide a healing. It provides healing for my will. It provides healing for my image. Come on, it provides healing for my body. It provides healing for my mind. It provides healing for my work. It provides healing for my walk. It provides healing for my fellowship, for my family, for my marriage, for my children, for my relationships. It provides healing. Now throw your hands up and receive this song. Worship Him. I remember who I am. 
Left behind 
at somebody and say, it's going to be all right. Because we've got the blood of Jesus and we're overcomers. Just, just plead the blood a minute. Just plead the blood over every situation. Just plead it. And receive it. Pray this prayer out loud right where you're standing. At every campus, right where you're standing. Online, right where you're watching. Lord Jesus, I believe the message of the cross. Your blood washes, cleanses from all sin. And today, I receive the purging of my sanctuary, of my temple. My body is the temple. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Fill me with your power. Give me that heavenly language. Fill me with your anointing. Fill me with your praise. Fill me with a want to heal my desires and my will to do your will. I receive it. I have it. I confess it. And in Jesus' name, through his blood, the old things have passed away. I am a new creation because of Jesus. Give him a mighty praise right now. Wow. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.